Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Tonight, I want to uh, kind of touch back on some stuff we talked about Sunday, but I also want to st- step ahead just a little bit. You know, one of the, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I, I had to come to realization about was just that whole idea that God is not chasing me around when I'm wanting to do what I want to do, that God's not chasing me around trying to fill me up while I'm doing my will. And it's hard to figure out sometimes in our lives what's what's God's will, what's what's my will, you know, what is and, and is my will lined up with God's will? And the only way that you're truly going to know that is if you spend time with Him, if you know Him, know what His desires are. There are some things about God that are particular, uh, and they're they're specific to your life. In other words, what God wants you to do might look a little different than what God wants me to do, but then there's some things that are, that are overarching that you can you know about God. You know how God would work. If you know Him, you, you would know, you know that He would not do this, but He would do this. And so those are things that kind of help us keep in, in, in line, at least keeping the road. I mean, Adrian Rogers said one time that there's a, there's a road and God's will's dead in the middle of it, and then there's a ditch on each side. And he said that if we do our best to stay in the road, but definitely try to stay out of the ditches. And I think a lot of times we can easily find ourselves in the ditch if we're not careful. And so staying with the things that we know about God. I look at ministries that have made it a long time. Those ministries that are long stay made it a long time. They have stayed in the road. They have not stayed in the ditch. They've stayed in the road and and God's blessed them. So often we get to chasing after things of the things of God and we'll get off the beaten path. In other words, we'll go to an extreme about something to do with the, the Christian life or the, or the Bible. We can do, do the same thing, get out, of, get out of sorts or get out of the way in our own lives when we go to chasing after our, what we would call our hopes and our dreams. You say, well, God knows my dreams. He wants to fulfill my desires, my dreams. That's something you might want to think about just a little bit. Does God actually, is is God's desire to fulfill all of your wishes or is it to have you be in line with His will and you following after Him? And then God works this work that He made you, He made me, and so He knows who I am and He uses me in His will in a special way that He can only use me to do certain things. And we find ourselves learning what the will of God is for our lives and following after Him, but it's, it's God's plan that we're, we are being, we're a part of. It's not our plan that we're saying, God, we want you to come bless what we're doing. And that's hard. That whole idea of denying yourself, taking up your cross, following after Him, it's not about me. It gets a little further when, along when you really start trying to live it. You know, God, is this what you, where you want me to live, God? Is this what you want me to be doing today? And there are certain things that, you know, I don't think we have to pray for God's will on whether or not to wash the clothes at the house, right? But yet there are times when we have a lot going on, and maybe the clothes need to go another day just so that we are where we need to be. You know, maybe it's that God just says, you know what, you need to rest today. But God, I've got all these things to do. And it's good that we 
we would want to get those things done, but sometimes we let our own minds take us and drive us to do certain things that we think we have to do, but yet we'll miss the will of God for that day. I have a, an occasion uh, to be, I think, in the will of God, and, um, and, and I go and actually will spend money to be in the will of God. I just, some mornings I'll, I'll start out and I'll go, you know what, God, um, so I didn't make me a sandwich or something for breakfast at the house, but where would you like me to go? And you may say, that sounds crazy, but I just, I'll sit there and I'll go, because uh, I have my, I have a couple of places that I personally like to go. I would rather eat from this particular place. Well, just this past week, I, I went, I was like, I just felt God inclining me to go somewhere, and I really don't like going in this place. I really don't. Went in there, come to find out, God had some things lined up for my life that day right, right there in that place. Cost, I spent money to go into that place to be there, but that's where God wanted me to be that day, and I got to interact with some people that I don't normally get to interact with, and it's amazing because I met somebody in there that they knew me, I guess knew me. They knew my name, they knew, hey, Preacher Greg, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And we talked, I ain't got a clue who they are. I really don't, but, but that's, that's okay. We got to carry on a conversation and encourage one another. And all I'm trying to tell you is that I believe that every moment of our lives can be lived at the foot of the cross. I believe that every moment of our lives can be lived in the will of God if we would submit to Him, render ourselves uh, as, as, as vessels to Him. We can live so close in the will of God, but it is such a hard thing to do with all the things that we have pulling on us, isn't it? Sometimes we can get our lives so far along that it takes a while for us to be able to even get back to the will of God. And I'll give you, for instance, when you've done and made plans on your own so long, whether it be financial plans, whether it be relationship plans, whether, you know, all these things, and you find yourself one day waking up and going, you know what, this cannot be what God has for my life. <laughs> but you got a mortgage, uh, you're, you're uh, you know, in a, in a marriage, you're, you got kids, and you go, Wow, and you look, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I know God's sovereign, but sometimes we look at the things in our lives and we go, you know, I really did a lot of this on my own. I made the choice to do that. I didn't consult God with who I, who I was going to date. I, di I didn't consult God with where I was going to work. I didn't consult God with what I was going to do with the finances that I had. I didn't consult God with buying this vehicle or buying this house. You, you get my point? And then we find ourselves sitting here going, wow. But I want to encourage you with something. God can take, no matter what decisions you've made, God can still take them, what we seem to be, have, what we seem to have gotten ourselves into what, that we would call a mess, and God can always make a masterpiece out of it. He is not uh, handicapped. Now, our lives might look a little different than they would have looked, but nevertheless, we can find ourselves... Christy and I would hold, hold our marriage to be a masterpiece that God made out of what could have very easily been a mess if it had gone. I mean, it was the timing of God was so incredible. We were just sharing with somebody today, Friday we will celebrate 27 years of marriage, 28 together. But were, were it not for the grace of God, five years of it had been over with. Were it not for the grace of God, it, it would have been over. And, and I'm just trying to tell you, though, that God took some, we don't call them mistakes at this moment. A lot of people would have called them mistakes, and we probably called them mistakes too. But now we, we look and we go, you know what? First, first off, we were, we were blind during that time. We were lost and undone. We didn't know what right and wrong was. We were just, we were both living lost. And we did what lost people do. We, we made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. Some, not all bad choices, but we, we made some bad choices in some things. But then we look and go, God was sovereign in all that. And sometimes it boggles my mind how a sovereign God works 
in our mess-ups. You know, He allows us to make choices, but yet we, He works things out to the good, to those who love Him called according to His purpose. But the ones who love Him are called according to His purpose are the ones that He opened their eyes and drew them to Him. And, and I sit here and wrap all, try to wrap all that around my mind, and it just gets confusing, and I just end up going, you know what, God? I'm thankful you're in control. I'm thankful, God, that you're sovereign over my life and that I realize it now. Now, with all that to be said, God's not chasing us around trying to feel our desires for our lives outside of His will. But God's always there. Now, this is something that I might mention for just a moment on Sunday morning, but I want you to get this. And I think it's something good to hear on a regular basis is that no matter where you are when you realize that you're wrong, it's, He's not chasing you around trying to fill you. You know what I'm saying? He's not filling up your tank. He's not trying to, to encourage you to be out of His will. But when you realize that you are out of His will and that you have done wrong and you stop and you go, wait a minute, and you turn your face back toward Him, He's right there. And I think that's important. You don't have to run halfway across the country to go find God. He is right there because He is waiting. I mean, He's everywhere. He lives in us as believers. And so I just want you to understand, we, we often think that, you know, it's like, well, man, it's going to be a long trip to get back to God because I've gone so far away from Him. No, that's not how it works. You might have a lot of things to go through, but He's going to go through them with you. He's walking with you the whole way. You, the prodigal son, again, is one of, the, one of the best pictures. The prodigal son did not make it all the way back home before the father ran out to him and met him on the road there. Why? Because he had turned his face back toward God. And so I just want you to understand that God does care about us even when we're, we're, we're wandering astray. Now this evening, what I want to drive home is the fact uh, is what, how does God renew me? And we'll talk about this some more in weeks to come, but how does God refresh me? And so what I want to do is I want you to go to Colossians. If I can remember right here. Yeah, Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, there's one verse. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, he answers that question. That how does God refresh me? How does God, or at least He gives us the insight to dig a little further. There are a lot of folks, as you're finding your place in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to, like I say, we'll start reading in verse 1 in a moment. But there are a lot of folks that just believe that all I need to do is get to a good spiritual service and then God's going to refresh me. i got to get me a little church in, right? But that's not in the Bible. I love having church. I believe that it's biblical to have church, that you don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's a great thing, and, and it does to some degree, it does, not to some degree, it, it does what God intends for it to do in my life and in your life when we come together and we meet. There's something about the corporate worship. There's something about corporate fellowship around, uh, around the Word of God, and, and that we, even when it comes to fellowship, there's something about us getting together, and I believe God designed it that way. But then there are is a responsibility that we have. So I'm, let's read out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through, um, well, we're going to just read through verse 10. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now I don't want to overdo this, but I want to stop for a moment. Did, listen to what he says. If then you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you're saved, so if you're in here tonight and you are a child of God, you're saved, listen to what he says, then you are to seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That's a responsibility on our part that we are to seek. Anybody that tells you that you don't have to seek after the things of God, you keep on walking, keep on trucking. Because the Bible clearly states that we are to seek after. Even when he says that we are to humble ourselves up under the mighty hand of God, that is an action, that is a requirement on our behalf. I know God is empowering us to do that by His grace, but yet we are to 
that's a sign that we are His child. We seek the things that are above. Then verse 2 he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. He even tells us in Galatians that we are not to sow to the spirit, but we, I mean, to sow to the flesh, but we're to sow to the spirit. And set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Verse 3 For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5 says, Therefore, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Verse 8 says, But now you yourselves are to put off these, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now he's talking about we've put off the old man. And then verse 10 says, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So if we need to be renewed in our inner man, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about our physical flesh being tired, there's a lot of us, and I'm just, I'll pick it myself. If I want my body to feel better, I, I really ought to start eating better. And I ought to start exercising. Now, I'm not saying that's a guarantee that this, everything's going to be fixed, but I, there are things that I can do to, for my physical body, but, but I can't stop the decay. I can't stop my physical body from growing old. At some point in time, it is, it's going to catch up. But my inner man is the man that is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. The, the, the new man that God has created in you and in me. We've put off the old man. We've put on the new man. And he says that this spiritual you, if you, and I don't know about you, but I get wore out in here. I get tired in here. I get frustrated in here. I get empty a lot of times in here. And that might not be your case. You ever found yourself to where you can't take a whole lot of other people? Where you say, yeah, I just, we just, we just say, what, what we typically say is, I've done peopled out, right? I'm peopled out. I can tell you as a testimony out of my own personal life, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can. I fight that every day of the week. I do. I fight that every day of the week. But I want you to understand something. All of that is my fault. Every bit of it is my fault. And I want to share with you why it's my fault. I have just as much capacity within my day as you do yours. Give or take a little. And I can give out as much as you can give out, give or take a little. Sometimes we give more some days, but when we give more some days, or we give more for periods of time, we find ourselves even further in the hole to where we go, I'm not just peopled out at a point in the day, I'm peopled out for the next couple of days. I'm done. I can't handle no more people. Let me let you in on something that God shared with me through the process of my life. That ain't their fault. It's not their fault that you're not healthy. It's not their fault that I'm not healthy. It's my fault. It's not right, and I, I'm just, I, I'll give you a little marital advice. It's not my wife's fault that at the end of the day I'm burnt out and she wants to engage with me. And I could flip this thing around to the other side. It's not your husband's fault that you don't want to engage with him because you're burnt out because of the kids. It's our fault because we're, as a whole, we easily get unhealthy. If we have the life of Christ living within us, then to some degree we ought to be able to do whatever we need to do for that day. And everything other than that, at that point, we need to give ourselves the permission to say, that's it. I'm done for the day. 
I've said it at the beginning of this thing, and I'm preaching this stuff to myself. You are not Superman nor Superwoman, and I ain't neither. We're not Jesus Christ. We're not God. We're not the Holy Spirit. We can't keep going and going and going and going. We have to rest. As a matter of fact, Jesus exemplified that, did he not? He taught us that. He would get away from the crowds and pray and get alone to himself. You say, there's no way for me to get alone for my, with my... There's no way for me to get away. There's always a way. Because here's what I know. If you don't get away, they'll put you away. Everything that you've been holding on to, everything that you've been trying to build, everything that you, you want, you're planning, you watch, and I, I've seen it as a pastor... I just don't have time to spend with my wife. I just don't have time to do this. I don't have time. Just keep on. You won't have those things. They'll be gone. Might be that they put you in a room somewhere. And you all by yourself. You and all the invisible people that you bring with you. This world will not shut down if you take your time with God. And that's something I've had to... <laughs> if I was to die today, somebody else would take my job tomorrow. And whether you think or I think that they've done a good job or doesn't do a good job, the fact still remains that whatever you're doing, if you're gone, if it's got to be done, somebody else will do it. Right? What about raising my kids? Somebody will do it. You know, somebody will do it. They might not do it like you wanted to do it. I'm just trying to get it drilled, drilled in that, that we're not super people. See, I've allowed myself in, in times past to get so unhealthy to where, I, I say to, so unhealthy, so, so empty to the point to where I don't even want to talk on the phone with folks. And it takes sometimes a day or two before I can and in the meantime, folks think you don't care. And I want you to hear my heart as a pastor and as a part of the body of Christ when, when I say this. I've had folks get mad at me and leave this church because I didn't respond to them in the, the time frame that they thought I was supposed to respond to them. But nobody ever asked, was I okay? Let that was sink for just a moment. Nobody ever asked, I don't have people beating my door down finding out if I'm okay because I'm supposed to be Superman. And I tried to be Superman. And I'm not. And I'm here to tell you today, you're not either. You are not God. You're not God to your family. You're not God to your co-workers. You're not God to him either. He's God. He's the only one that has inexhaustible power. And it's hard sometimes to just quit. Because we think we're a failure if we stop. But the truth of the matter is God's told us on a regular basis that we have to stop. The reason we don't is because we don't know no better. We don't know no better. And the reason we don't know no better is because we don't study His Word. That's why we don't know no better. If you go back in your life and think about the people that you've seen that had the most peace of, of, of the Lord in their life and seemed to have the most time to spend with people, it was people that took time to be with Him. Their inner man was strengthened. Why? Because they knew Him. They might not have been Greek scholars or, or theologians, but they knew him. They had intimate working knowledge of the Lord. They knew who he was. And we've got so fast-paced in our world today, we just don't have time for God. Oh, we'll take 15 minutes and read a devotion, right? Or we'll watch a YouTube video of somebody else teaching a devotion. We'll stick some earbuds in our ears and we'll listen to preaching for about 30 minutes or we'll listen to something on some Christian music or something like that. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever kind of started getting into the zone 
in your devotion time. And I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, your tears are rolling. You're just excited about God's just, it's like almost like your, your inner man is so dry and dusty and a drop of water hits it. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then the next thing that happens, you got to stop. You ever been there before? You just wish you could stay there. I've been there before. Matter of fact, I, I, I get there quite often. That I just, man, I just, I needed to be up under the fountain a little more. The reason that it feels like that is because we don't go there regularly. That's why it feels like that. Because if we were to go there regularly, if it was a regular part of our lives, we wouldn't be dry. We would just be putting water in on top of what's already there. I mean, we just we would be overflowing all the time. I want to show you a couple of things about about God, about the out of the scriptures, to where you realize that it is about us knowing Him. And let me just throw this out there, and I'm gonna pick on Him. Uh, he's not here tonight, but I picked on Him at the 10:30 service this morning. And um, and if people are watching out there, or you're in here, and you you you. Um, you can make it to 1030 and you just wish you could go to church, but you don't want to be around large crowds. And, but, or maybe that's your time of the day because you don't want to drive late at night that, or late in the evening and stuff like that. No, I encourage you to come to 1030 to our waffle service. Um, had some great music this morning. Tommy uh, Millwood played and sang for us and shared and they uh, had some activities and stuff. Last week, I think they eat sandwiches instead of playing activities they had some food and stuff like that i told them i said if you have food they'll come you just but our, our worship pastor tim blankenbeckler he he has a processing problem like so when he studies something it's hard for him to get it in there it's like an audio auditory auditory processing i don't know i can't even i have a problem too so but you know what he does he downloads books and he's got an app he'll they'll read them to him on his phone so while he's driving and, and stuff and he he drives a, a a bus for union county transportation and also he's got his earbuds in Oh, I shouldn't probably shouldn't say that because they probably don't. Somebody Union County Transportation be unheard. But anyhow, he's he's listening to God's word be taught to him while he's going around. Reason I put that in there, you can't have an excuse for not knowing the scriptures. You cannot have an excuse. Why? Because if so, then God messed up. Because if this book is for everybody. He did not put a section in there for an excuse. Everybody's got the responsibility. Whether you watch it on TV, which you got to be real careful there, whether you, you, you get an app to do it, whether you, somebody, you go, to, go to more Bible studies through the week, whatever, there's a way. There's a way to make it happen. So here's what I want to do. I want to reread verse 10, and then I want to take you to a couple other places real quick. And just show you just how rich it can be if you'll be a student of the Word of God. He said, I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All right, so renewed in knowledge. I want to take you back to Hosea. Uh, you don't have to flip there. Um, I'm going to be there for just one second. But Hosea chapter 4, listen to verse 6 again. This is from Sunday morning. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. That's what he said. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let me, um, let me take you to, um, I think let's go to Ephesians. Yeah, let's go to Ephesians for a moment before we head to Acts. So, get over here. Had to sing my little song in my head. Acts and a letter to the Romans. Let's see. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. 
I'm going to start reading in verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in you, your hearts, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Listen, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I just want you to understand that it is, it is all about us knowing. Um, and then let me flip back over here. And actually, let me do this. Let's just go to Acts. Uh, I think this is be the way to go. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 19. And I just want to give you an example of something. I want to whet your appetite. Hey, just sang that song. Still missing it. All right. Acts chapter 19. And I just want to whet your appetite just for a moment with the Word of God. I've, I've probably shared this stuff before, but, but before I do it, I want you to hear a little bit, just a little story about what things are like and what, how things can change. Some folks might, might actually be watching. We have some folks in Guatemala that, that do watch. Pastor Edgar sometimes will be watching uh, from Guatemala. We started going to Guatemala on mission trips, and... We got down there in my first trip, and it's not there's anything wrong with it, but our first trip, we primarily built houses. We did some other things, but we primarily built houses. Todd Landers and myself, we both had uh, a team to work with, and we tried to be the supervisors over those teams just because it seems like the it's just our natural inclination, okay? So we start putting this team together. They put us there because we had some building experience. Well, automatically, we consider this to be a challenge. I'll build more houses than you do before the end of the week. And next thing you know, we have this full-on, um, well, competition going on. And so that was our focus. If we're going to build houses, bless God, we're going gonna, 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 gonna to build houses. And so we, we're throwing houses together left and right. You know, at the end of the week, we, you know, we excelled in building houses, the number of houses we built. We did. There's nothing wrong with building the houses, but I'm sitting back going, man, there's, I, I, I dig this. I like it. The next trip we went on, we built houses, and I'm like, this is cool. This is not, but for me, there was something not, that wasn't clicking. So I got to looking, and we, we would dedicate the houses, and every time we dedicate the houses, we give the family there a Bible, right? We gave them a Bible. We gave them a little padlock because there's a hasp on the house. I mean, and the house is basically a 12 by 12 lawnmower shed is what it is. Uh, no insulation, none of that kind of stuff, which you really don't need as far as climate goes. But still, they had never been able to really lock their valuables up, and so they could actually lock their door with a little hasp and a padlock. So we'd give them a padlock, like the keys to their house, and then we'd give them a Bible, and we'd, you know, pray over everything and there, pray over them and stuff. And I'm standing back, and I'm noticing... Most of these people, they can't read that Bible. Either they can't read or they just can't see it. Then my heart starts churning. God gets my heart churning. That, that somehow or another, to, these, they've got to learn about God. If they're ever going to live in the fullness of God, they've got to learn about God. How are they going to learn? Oh, I know what you're going to do, God. You're going to use me. You're going to allow me with all my great wisdom about you to go down there and teach these people for, all, for a week or at a time here and there. That's what you're going to do, God. But that's not what God did. Then I find out about the glasses thing, where we can make reading glasses for these people. Pieces of the puzzle start fitting together for me because one of the times we went down, we had a church service after we had an eye, like an eyeglass clinic, and there's this family, this husband and wife, they show up to church, they got a Bible in their hands, and they got their glasses on that we made for them. And Pastor Edgar says, you see that couple over there? Yeah. So that's the first time they've ever brought their Bible to church since I've known them. He said, but they ain't never been able to see it, to read it in church. So, And I'm sitting there watching a husband and wife with a Bible opened up reading God's Word along with the preacher while he's preaching, and I'm like, there's something to this. 
Then we come to find out that one of the greater, one, one, a great problem that they have is the fact that, uh, well, somebody got bright, and it wasn't me. We were doing an eyeglass clinic thing, and somebody said there was something going on, and somebody went and got a, a, a bottle of Visine out of their pocketbook or somewhere, dropped the Visine in their eyes, and black ash started running out of their eyes, and it started burning. We've never really experienced the kind of pain they were going through because we're sitting there going, no, 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 it's not supposed to burn. But it was hurting them. But it was because they had so much infection, bacteria and stuff in their eyes. They live in an area where volcanic ash is just blowing everywhere to start with. And they cook over open fires. You've been around a campfire at night and I'll wake up. Sometimes you've been around a lot of stuff like that and you got all that crust in the corner of your eyes. How would you like to live in that situation for 40 and 60 years? Some of these older ladies and older men, you're washing their eyes out. And I mean, it's literally, you can see the black stuff running down out of the corner of their eyes. We had to start doing that before we could ever even see what, some of them didn't even really have a problem that needed glasses. They just need their eyes cleaned out. And that's something that's going to be, in their lives, need to be a regular thing because it ain't going to change. They're still going to cook over open fires. They've still got volcanoes going around, all this stuff. Just saying, all of that is a hindrance to knowledge. Now, whether they read a Bible, whether they don't read a Bible, whether they learn how to read or not, that's on them. So then we look at, it's deep, going deeper into this thing. And, and I'll give you a practical application. So Pastor Edgar... <laughs> Let's see, how do I, let me, I'm not going to use one illustration. I'm going to use a different one because the one might be a little offensive, so I won't use it. But they're trying to teach folks down there that you don't have to come to America to have a better life. Why don't you make it better here? But the reason they can't make it better there is because they don't have the knowledge. So Pastor Edgar's trying to give them the knowledge. He lived in the United States of America, and I'm not saying that we have all the knowledge. I'm just trying to say He's trying to help them help themselves. That the, at the mission that we help try to support and go down to, they have, a, they have a water purification system there. They dug a well, they have a water purification system. Do you realize that that is an absolute oddity in that area, in any area of the country? Because normally, if you have water, you have city water. But let me tell you what city water is. The, the government pumps in water for a period of time each day. Let's just say that they'll pump water for one hour. And you got to have a container that's hooked up. You pay for the water, and they send water. And it might not be the cleanest thing in the world, but they're going to pump water for one hour. You catch all you can catch. But they might not pump it but for 30 minutes. They might pump it for an hour and a half, but they might not pump it but for five. But they pump water, and that's what water you have for that day. Other than that, you go down to a local area, stream or somewhere else, they have communal uh, clothes washing stations where everybody goes to this one place. It's not like the laundromat. It's outdoors and there's these big sinks and on you dip some water and wash your clothes. So they've got a water purification system and a well there at the school and church and all that we, you've helped be a, be a part of. And so what happened though there was a there was a, a one one ministry helped get the blocks laid for the for the room to put the purification system in. You you and well Chestnut Ridge laid the tile, and helped buy the the bars that you have to put over the windows and the doors to keep people from breaking in and stuff. And we helped have we paid for those to be made. Another ministry comes in and they dig the well. Another ministry comes in. And they actually set up the water purification system. That's what they do. They, they set up water purification systems all uh, as missions work. And so they come in, they set it up. But not only did they set it up, they taught the kids, the senior kids at the school, how to do that, how to set that system up and how to run it and all that stuff. So now they have a window out to the community. Okay? There's a window, there's a big compound, and you got to get your mind around the fact that there's a, there's a, there's a block wall Sometimes they use razor wire on the top of them. Sometimes they use shards of glass. It's broken glass, and they'll embed it into the cement so that if somebody tries to come over the wall, it'll cut them up, and they can't get in. 
And then you got these doors, which are like gates, and all you open them up, and you can go into the area, and the school's in there, the church is in there, the water purification. But there's this window out where the community can walk up to this store, and they can buy water. Now, they get it at an incredible deal, but they don't have any other access to water outside. As a matter of fact, that far out, I don't even think the city water goes out into that area, because I don't remember seeing the thing, the tanks on top, but I may be wrong. So, anyhow... They got that, but that's not the end of it. So when we were down there last, there was a young lady who did her senior project. That was her senior project, the water purification thing. So she worked in it, learned how to do it. They're going to take, they're taking that. They're going out into other communities, on out into other places, and they're actually helping other communities set up these water purification deals so that they can have clean water. But see, all of that started with knowledge. You teach them how to do it, and then they start doing it for themselves. I've watched Kurt Lightfield. We've been walking down the streets in Guatemala before, handing out candy and things to kids. Kid takes a cover, cover off of a dum-dum, the little lollipops. And man, I'm telling you right now, dum-dums just don't last long. You can have a backpack full of dum-dums, and if you pull one out, you better be ready because 300 kids are begging for dum-dums. And so... We, we're walking down, the kid takes the wrapper off and throws the wrapper down on the street. Well, Kurt walks up there and gets down on his knees and he says, he said, don't do that. And the kid don't care. Why? Because everybody else does it. Right? And Kurt said, no, you need to care more about where you live than to just throw trash on the ground. And he even tells them, he said, and if you're going to plan on doing what everybody else wants to do, go to America one day, they ain't going to like it if you throw trash on the ground either. And they're trying to educate them because life can be different. And we think that God, I want you to hear my heart on this. Some of that's practical, but it does have a spiritual application. We think that God's just mystically going to give us everything that we, everything about the Christian life. But that ain't how it works. God doesn't say, oh, you're saved and now... Guess what? You don't have to do another thing. That's not how God works. He says that we are to gather, come to Him for the knowledge of who He is. And this book's about Christ. All this book. He wants us to know who Christ is. That's to have the knowledge of who He is. And so when we gain that knowledge then the Spirit of God in the inner man does something that we can't understand. He energizes us like the Energizer Bunny to do the work of the Lord. So when we're, when we're running dry and when we're overcome, a great portion, if not all of it, is our fault. It's on us. Let me show you an example out of Acts. And then, yeah, I've got enough time. I'll show you an example out of Acts. I just want to show you how the Word of God can come alive to you and mean so, so much to you if you would just study. And, and to give you an, uh, uh, a little bit of a, uh, an idea how stuff like this, you can learn to do stuff like this, I was teaching a class before COVID. I was teaching a class before COVID uh, how to do this. It's not that I'm, I'm some rocket scientist or something like that or some great theologian. I'm not. I am just another beggar trying to show another beggar where to get bread from, but I can help you learn how to study the Bible, but you gotta, you got to come wanting it. And so we would sit down and do this, what I'm going to show you right now. Acts chapter 19, um, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you. Some Bible translations might say, We adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Now, on the surface, you read that and you go, Wow. That's a cool story. Paul's doing great miracles by the hands of God. God's working in his life, even so much so that they take handkerchiefs and stuff from Paul 
and two people, and they get well. Now, there are people that try that today, right? They sell handkerchiefs, right? These little, they cry on them and pray over them a little bit, and you for fifty dollars and and stuff, you can get you one. And you can have this prayer cloth and stuff. But see, that ain't what it was like in the Bible. Paul wasn't out there peddling handkerchiefs. They came and actually couldn't get Paul there because he's just a human being. But they knew that he was there. Something was going on there, and they'd take pieces of clothing and handkerchiefs and stuff from him and take it to the sick. Uh, they come seeking that. But here's what I want you to gather. So then these people go, ah, oh, there's some mystical thing going on with Paul. And so it's in the words that he's saying, that Jesus that he's talking about. And they said, we'll try the same thing. So we exercise you by the name of that Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons speak back. And I don't know if you believe in demonic activity, you don't believe in demons, but you might better start believing in them because they're trying to destroy our kids and our families right now. I'm telling you right now, they're real. This is just as real as God's real. Because if they ain't real, God ain't real because he made them. It says, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? But see, what you do is when you get down into researching and studying, it means a whole lot more. It's, a more, it's more intimate because you see those two words, Jesus I know, Paul I know. We only have one word, no. But in the Greek, it's two different words. Jesus, I know, and the word in the Greek there, it means an experiential, intimate knowledge for the application that, it's, that we're using it for here, in the, that it's used for here in the Scriptures. So Jesus, I have an intimate, working knowledge of. It, it even is used in some cases of the constant, how do you, I try to watch what I say sometimes, of the intimate relationship that a husband and wife have. Okay? It's used of that sexual relationship. Okay? That word. Jesus, I intimately know Jesus. The demon said, I know Jesus. <laughs> I've been, I have really good working knowledge of Jesus. Paul I know because he's catching my attention. The word know that's used there is kind of like he's got my attention. I'm studying him. I'm looking into him, and I'm learning about him. Well, think about it. How do the demons have intimate knowledge of God, like so intimate? Their knowledge is so intimate about Jesus. Come on, give me, give me a, maybe a reason. Huh? They lived in heaven. That's exactly right. They lived in heaven. Before they got kicked out, they were angels, right? I mean, he created it. He's, they've known Jesus a lot longer than they've known Paul. I mean, they know what Jesus' foot looks like because he kicked their rear ends out of heaven, right? He cast them out. That's just a little. But he cast them out. They know what it's like to incur the wrath of God. They were cast down from heaven. They have had intimate interaction with him too because if you think about Daniel, in, in, in the book of Daniel, he sends Gabriel, he, he, he's praying, and God sends Gabriel, and, and, and he don't make it in the time that he was hoping to make it in. He was delayed 21 days. Why? Because he was having, a, 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 he was battling with the prince of Persia. He was battling with demonic spirits. No. So God, had, he had, they have intimate knowledge of Jesus because Jesus has even sicked his own angels on the demons. And he has cast them out. The, the Gadarean demoniac. They, they walk up and they and, and it's go, Jesus, they knew him by name right off what do you have to do with us? They have intimate working knowledge of him. Paul is, now we know Paul not as good as we know Jesus, but we know Paul because, because of Jesus. He's been hanging around with Jesus, and, and we've often said, uh, and, and joking around on Facebook, right, we'll say, when my feet hit the floor, the demons what? Tremble. Now, I don't know if, that it's all like that. I really don't. 
But if you have this intimate working knowledge of Jesus Christ, let me just say this, if a demon knows more about your Savior than you do, that might be an indictment. But they have this working knowledge that they're, they're learning about Paul. Paul's got their attention, and they're getting to know him. Isn't it pretty cool when you take and you look at a piece of Scripture like that, and you go, the demons turn around, Jesus I know because I've got intimate knowledge. And think of who they're talking to. These, these sons of Sceva, they're, they're trying to do what Paul's doing, and the demons speak up while they're, they're being exercised by Paul. They speak up and they go, Jesus, we know him really well. We've run into Paul a time or two, but who in the world are you? And here's my point. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to have the preacher to explain that? I'm not saying it's not a great, I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach. I'm not saying that we shouldn't teach. But would, your, would you have a plate and a fork and a napkin around your neck when you come on Sunday mornings if you knew more about this, where you could just dive in, where you could sop up the gravy and take it home and break it apart. Because I'm going to just be honest with you. You should not just take my word for Scripture. I mean, granted, I'm thankful that folks trust me, but you shouldn't. You should check me out Check and see if what I'm saying is true, if it lines up with Scripture, that we're all iron sharpening iron, and that we grow in the grace of God together. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life uh, God put him there, and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for Him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.